0: Yes, yes, it is DJ Ski from Dash Radio and you are now listening to the number one South Asian radio station in the world. I'm talking about Ruckus Avenue Radio, Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian station. Let's go. I'm a doctor, a father. An American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle. And as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Darnikar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, a conversation with Aftab pureval the new mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. Stay tuned. Happy New Year, everyone. And as we kick off 2022, I am so grateful for so much, but especially to all of you for listening to the show, sharing it with your friends, subscribing to the podcast, and following Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing on social media at Dr. Abhay So I think it's always important to do this, but as the New Year gets going, it's a particularly great time to think about how our leaders in the United States are advancing our communities, especially those leaders who have been newly elected and are entering public office to face the many incredible current, local, and global challenges. Now, I have a few friends and acquaintances who are from Cincinnati, Ohio, in the country's Midwest. And no matter where they are currently, they are so fiercely loyal and passionate about their hometown. So this was on my mind when I met Aftab Bureval, the newly elected mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. Aftab is a native of Ohio, grew up in Beaver Creek, and is the son of immigrants, a Punjabi Sikh dad, and his mom, who is a Tibetan refugee. He's a Buckeye from Ohio State, student body president, by the way, and he's a Bearcat Law graduate of the University of Cincinnati. After working locally as an attorney in the private sector, Afthab was elected as the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts in 2016, successfully bringing modern reforms, professionalism, efficiency, compassion, and access to justice, with a lot of investment for local communities. After the experience of running a campaign for Congress in 2018, Aftab ran and won the 2021 election for mayor, becoming Cincinnati's first Asian American mayor, but also the first Asian American mayor of a major Midwestern city. I was so grateful that we caught up to chat just before he started his new term in office. And I learned that we have a few things in common. We both married doctors. I love toddlers and he has one. And fortunately, he's a big fan of podcasts.
1: I'm a huge fan of podcasts. It annoys my wife because I'm just walking around the house. I don't wear ear uh, uh, headphones either. I'm just like blaring podcasts all day long. So this this is wonderful.
0: It's sort of uh, it's not just the joy for you to experience it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very generous. I like to share what I'm listening to. Right. You, you're just that. wanting to be inclusive. Yeah, and, that's right. <laughs> listen, I have to tell you. So I've known others and met others who've grown up in Cincinnati and I find everybody in that category to be fiercely loyal to their town. Yes. Yes. You know, and I'm i am so curious. I mean, for you, you're a son of Ohio. You're someone who's uh, the son of immigrants uh, as well. and. You've also been a local attorney in Cincinnati, but now as mayor, right? I mean, the, the calculus changes a little bit. So what's so compelling
1: about Cincinnati? What is it that makes me? Oh, gosh, cool? this is great. I'm so glad we're starting here because usually I we have to end here. And I'm the one that usually has to insinuate this topic in the conversation. Look, look, Cincinnati is dope. I mean, yeah. we are the future of this country. We are. Uh, uh, we have incredible corporate stakeholders and partners here: Procter and Gamble, GE Aviation, Kroger, Fifth Third. They're all their their world headquarters are all right here in Cincinnati. So we punch above our weight as it relates to corporate stakeholders. We have the best high school in the state. We have the third best children's hospital in the country. We have the best college football team, not just in the state of Ohio, with the UC Bearcats. And 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 look, you know, Cincinnati just proved in November that no matter what you look like, where you're from, or how much money you have, you can come here and achieve your dreams. That's certainly what happened to me by being elected, not just the first Asian American mayor of Cincinnati, but the first Asian American mayor in the Midwest for a major city. That is the brand of Cincinnati. That is the vision for the future. Uh, So I, I encourage people, look, if you're not applying to UC or investing your dollars in Cincinnati, you are crazy. It is yeah. all happening in Cincinnati. We are where classic meets cutting edge, uh, right in the middle of the country. So I'm so glad we could start with that. And when, when you're
0: traveling, when you meet folks who are originally from Cincinnati and, and they're starting to wax nostalgic, is is it sort of a different kind of secret handshake that you're making with folks that, <laughs> that are out there? Or?
1: You know, look, Cincinnati's are, are incredibly proud of our city with with good reason. And, and for the folks that, that have left that are desperately trying to get back, you know, the, the, the secret handshake is really just Cincinnati chili, uh, yeah. asking folks, you know, each Cincinnati is made up of 52 neighborhoods. Almost every neighborhood has its variation on Cincinnati chili. And so we all are fiercely loyal to our local chili parlors as well. Well, that's
0: awesome. And listen, I, I know the importance and the, the real historic nature of Of what you've done um, in November and now what you're about to do. Um, And you met recently with President Biden and you were endorsed by President Obama. How have meeting and sort of learning from these leaders particularly motivated you uh, as the son of a Punjabi Sikh immigrant and a Tibetan refugee? How how have those leaders actually made impact on on what
1: you've done and what you're about to do? Yeah, they've had a profound impact. I mean, you know, my, my, my story is, is really my family's story. My, my mother is, is, was born in Tibet and, and forced to flee. And so my grandparents, and my mom picked up, made their way through the Himalayas, through Nepal and into India, um, where she grew up as a refugee. She, um, uh, her family, our family first came to Baila which is a, a large Tibetan refugee camp, uh, uh, in Southern India. Um, you know, she got an education, she made it to college. She, she went to New Delhi where she met my father who's from Punjab, India, and they got married and, and they, you know, they decided to come to the United States. So my, they they could have gone anywhere, right? New York to California, sea to shining sea. And they chose of all places, Beaver Creek, Ohio. (laughs) Okay. So they, they get there in 1980, not a Brown person in sight. Right. Uh, they, they, they disembark. And, and my, my brother and I came a couple of years later and, you know, growing up in a place like Beaver Creek, as you can imagine, is, is pretty homogeneous. Um, and Uh, and so there weren't a lot of Asian or South Asian, um, role models, uh, in public service or in politics. Uh, there weren't just, I mean, just speaking, frankly, there weren't very many people who looked like me in those, in those areas. And so as a child, that wasn't really a, it wasn't really an ambition of mine because if you don't see it, you you, you don't believe it. Um, but my parents kind of you know, I the, the stereotype, but it's it's a stereotype because it's true. They they wanted me to be a doctor, they wanted me to be you. You're the, my parents' dream. Congratulations. Right. I right. by the way backdoored it by marrying a doctor so I didn't have to go to med school. But anyway, hey, me too. Uh, that's yeah, that's- <laughs> right. You're a double threat. Um, but um, but be but growing up in that in that era, in that part of the country and not seeing role models, I didn't I didn't, you know, envision that for myself. But my parents, unbeknownst to them, were kind of pushing me in that direction. So my my mom is a refugee. It was always very important to her that our family understand what was going on with our government and current events. My father, you know, as as you probably well know, immigrants just have to work harder and longer um, in order to make it in this country. And so my father was just always at work. He got up. He went to bed very early, got up very early, worked all day. And, and he had a very hard life, um, to provide for, for my brother and I. And so my, my main time with my dad was watching the, uh, the news, um, the nightly news with Peter Jennings on ABC, uh, and, and just kind of sitting there and, and chatting with my dad about current events. And so those two influences really made me passionate about, about current events, about politics, about public service, but it wasn't until And this is a very long answer to a short question, but it wasn't until president Obama um, got elected and proved to me that a a Brown guy with a funny name could run and could win because, you know, I was student body president of Ohio state, which is like being mayor of a very small town, 50,000 undergraduates. I mean, it's, it's massive. And so that was always, you know, an interest of mine, but I never thought it could be a reality until president Obama um, proved to me that it could be. And, and, You know, in many ways, I'm part of his legacy, inspiring a a new generation of Americans um, to believe that they could run and win, but most importantly, believe that they could uh, uplift their community.
0: You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Bureval. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Bureval. Well, and and now in meeting with President Biden and sort of outlining priorities for Cincinnati and other towns in the Midwest, I mean, is that narrative just that much more important, even as you sort of like carry forward that legacy that President Obama and that foundation that he laid now, now
1: taking that forward in, in such sort of prescient times? It is. It is. I mean, it reminds, I mean, look, we've got, you know, Cincinnati and the country, frankly, has got some real challenges, some institutional challenges, um, whether it's, you know, access to voting or uh, climate change or violence. Um, you know, the, the, we, we continue to be segregated as a country. So so I'm not naive. Yeah. But, you know, last week I was I was standing in the Oval Office with President Biden and with um, big city mayors from around the country, New York um Atlanta Boston Boston yeah. um and and I'm standing in the oval office and and you know one in one generation my family went from being refugees i mean my mother was literally fleeing through the Himalayas um you know 70 years ago to now um being the next mayor of Cincinnati and standing in the oval office meeting with the president like that that is an extraordinary turn of events yeah and when I'm standing in the Oval Office, you know, I, I, I'm overwhelmed with emotion because that story only happens in this country. And so, you know, while while we have significant challenges in our city and in the country, I am I am so inspired by the greatness of what we are and what we can be as a country. And so so I am even more. um energized by the opportunity to to transform our our city. I I love that, you know, linkage
0: of saying, hey, you're a generation removed from that journey as a refugee that your mom had to to carry forward. And, and, And when I think about now how you and your wife are raising a toddler in Cincinnati and sort of taking the next step forward from from that generational link, especially at a time when We're in a pandemic culture that our economy and politics have have created tribes and corners for people to sort of, you know, back into how are you and others who are leading this charge now? how, How do we create sort of space and action for more empathy and collaborative dialogue to especially advance all the things you mentioned, right? Equity and economic recovery. I mean, how does that sort of dialogue happen?
1: In a, in a space that affords a lot more empathy and collaboration? Well, we we have some structural challenges that are making that very difficult. So let's let's first name that, and then I we can talk about what are what, what could be a way forward. But I mean, look, gerrymandering in our in our country, particularly at the national level, has um, polarized an already partisan system of government to the to the extent that general elections are no longer competitive, but rather um, the representative is decided by the primary, which is pushing both sides of this political spectrum to the absolute extremes. Um, uh, and, you know, as as a result, you see things like the insurrection happen on January 6th. Um, you know, the, the the other kind of um, uh, insidious elements in our country right now is money. I mean, the The Citizens United decision has paved the way for just untold amounts of dark money flooding into not just our national politics, but now also our local politics. And it's driving us further to our corners. Um, What I love about being mayor is um, there are three political parties in this country. There are Republicans, Democrats and mayors. No one cares Right. What the Republican or Democratic way is to, to fill a pothole. No one cares what um, the Republican or Democratic way to pick up trash or plow, plow the streets are or, or re- respond to a 911 call. Mayors in this country are, 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 are where the rubber hits the road. There is no obfuscating. There is no spinning. There is no triangulating. Mayors have to lead, have to step into the void and lead. Um, and the politics kind of the the partisan politics goes out the window. Now, look, I'm, I'm a Democrat, but, but this is important. This is an important lesson for our national leaders, because particularly talking about the pandemic, the worst possible thing we can do as political leaders, as journalists, as citizens is make the, make getting the vaccine and getting boosted a partisan issue. Every time, you know, MSNBC or CNN puts up the graph about how many people voted for Trump and how many of them are, are vaccinated? I shudder because it is a lot easier to change someone someone's mind about getting the vaccine than it is about what political party that they're on. And the more that we link them, the harder we're making it. So certainly it's about empathy. Certainly it's about understanding. But it's also, frankly, about strategic thinking. And, and in many ways, the, this partisanship frustrates the broader goals that we're all trying to accomplish.
0: And did it take someone who hasn't been concretely embedded into the political structure in your town or someone who's actually ran and, and in some ways lost an election for, for as running for Congress to, to really galvanize that for you and, and actually in some ways kind of give you the momentum to think that way?
1: Yeah. You know, what is what is un- very unusual about my political career um is just how fast it has happened yeah. and how both literal and figuratively foreign I am to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Look, I, you know, I I moved to Cincinnati for the last time in 2012. I didn't get involved in politics until 2016. 5 years I'm mayor. Like that's very fast. That is warp speed in Cincinnati. Sure. Um and so in many ways I I am able to bridge those divides, those long-standing divides, not just politically, but also racially Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not black, I'm not white. Uh, And like most major American cities, we have some real racial tensions in our city, some real segregation. And I can talk to both the white community and the black community um, as an honest broker um, because I don't have the, that history of those deep seated divisions. Now I can also say that Cincinnati is only 2% Asian which makes our election as the first Asian American mayor, even more extraordinary. Uh, it shows that AAPI candidates can run and win anywhere, yeah. but it's also, it's also a real challenge for the future growth of our city. We, we cannot be a global destination. If, if we are not, if the communities that are fastest growing in the United States, like uh, Hispanic and Asian Americans are not growing in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, so my, my role as a leader, both based on my ethnicity and both based on, How long I've been in the city um, uh, puts me in a unique position to have those difficult conversations.
0: You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Pureval. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Trust Me I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Pureval. We were talking about this earlier but um you you were explaining and sharing with me so carefully and thoughtfully that your name in fact is Aftab Karma Singh Pureval. <laughs> yeah. And and in and in some ways right I mean you we we all have gone through the Idea and the, and the notion of, of code switching back and forth. T- tell me a little bit about how that backdrop has evolved,
1: for for that matter, for you uh, as the, your political career has has blossomed. Yeah, I mean, you know, Aftab Karma Singh Porewal um, is my full name, and I'm six three, and I was born and raised in Beaver Creek, Ohio. So, you know, and what makes it even more confusing is my first name is neither Tibetan nor. Uh, Punjabi, it is actually a Persian name and it means sunshine. So my parents were fully committed to an identity crisis for me. I mean, they were like, this kid is going to have no idea where he's like from. We're going to give him something he can never forget. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you know, I was born in Beaver Creek, which is, you know, uh, very white, um, uh, lovely community, you know, really enjoyed growing up there, but it's very homogeneous. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, I, I had a lot of identity issues growing up. Um, you know, there is a there's a thriving Sikh community in the Dayton area. Dayton, Ohio is the larger city where I'm from. And so um, I felt very connected to that community. But but I don't look I mean, you know, speaking frankly, I don't look uh, sick. I don't look Punjabi. I also don't look Tibetan. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of like a Rorschach test for brown people. They, they, you know, have no idea what my ethnicity is. So they just kind of guess or or um, or, you know, ex- assume that I'm, I'm them.
0: Well, in in that in that light, then, are there elements of your identity in that sort of Rorschach uh, phenomenon that, in fact, uh, permeate into your day to day to sort of both remind yourself and perhaps remind those around you?
1: I don't know. You know, I think it I think my identity issues from my past have made me a more empathetic and maybe effective leader because Look, no matter what room I'm in, I'm the only person who looks like me. Yeah, and you know, even if I'm in a room full of Punjabis, even if I'm a room full of Tibetans, there there are not very many people who look like me. So, um, you know, I'm I'm um, I think that has made me more empathetic, made me given me the ability to put myself in other people's shoes. You know, when you run for office, particularly if you're an AAPI, particularly if you are if you have a foreign name, uh, particularly if you're running in a in a place that doesn't have a lot of other AAPIs, it is harder. The barriers to entry are higher. Um, you know, it costs more money and it requires you to be more creative because politics is all, all about making a connection between you and your electorate, uh, creating that. That, um, that empathy between each other, right? That shared experience, and so when you have a name that is unique or or ethnic, um, you you start behind the eight ball. And so, you know, speaking about my name and code switching, I, I, because I grew up where I grew up, I have gone by Aftab my entire life. Um, and look, people people have have commented on that in a critical way. And and what I what I say is how each of us assimilates is a deeply personal thing. I am very proud of my ethnicity. I am very proud of my parents' story. I tell it any anywhere I, I am. In fact, I told it on this podcast. Um, but uh, but but how I've decided to assimilate, I think, is is deeply personal. And and, and I go by Aftab generally, uh, unless I'm with with family or or you know other other brown folks. <laughs> so <laughs> I, and, right. I and, and to create that connection, just the end of the story to, to create that connection with the electorate you know, I've been quacked out my entire life. People have called me Aflac. They think it's funny. But right. so every time in my first TV commercial for politics, every time I said my name, a big yellow duck puppet repeated my name in the Aflack voice. And so it was, it was self-deprecating. It was memorable. It, it tore down the walls, the barriers, it made me more approachable. And, and ultimately I won. And so it, it just, it, it just shows you that you know, there's an opportunity to use your identity to use what may be viewed as a liability as a strength. And, and that certainly was, was the case for me.
0: And I, I really do appreciate how that is so personal for everyone. And it's different for everyone. And it permeates, you know, their their day to day. And in your case, permeating it in a way that's going to keep that relationship with your constituents going. When people do learn that you're now the mayor of of Cincinnati, when they first meet you, what do you think they're most perhaps surprised about?
1: Oh, uh, this is an easy one. Every time someone meets me, the first thing they say is, Oh, I didn't realize how tall you were every time. And so I was, I was starting to, this is maybe a little, little too uh, honest. I was starting to get annoyed by it. Like (laughs) I was starting to, to think that, Oh, because I'm Asian, they think I'm supposed to be like four feet tall. But right. then my, my staff told me I, you're being a little, a little, you're reading into this too much. You're six, three, you're actually tall. You know, yeah. calm down about this. So, but that's, that's, the, that's the main thing. They brought, they brought you
0: back from the ledge in that <laughs> way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Most people are very surprised that I'm so tall. I think, um, you know, I get, I get comments a lot. I, you know, I, I think I have a good sense of humor and people are surprised that I, that I'm, I'm uh, funny, uh, I guess politics and, and being funny don't usually mix. You gotcha,
0: you. yeah, and, and well, and I think in that way, hopefully people are um, surprised by this sort of external part, you're tall, you, you're affable, uh, you have a great sense of humor, but then the action and the execution of your ideas is probably the next step here. You know, there's probably no better way to demonstrate trust civically, right? then through your, your elected officials. I mean, for, for citizenship, right. Our, our, our number one responsibility is to vote. And when we vote for somebody and, and they are about to do their job, we, we want to have them exude that trust. What's been your method for developing sort of confidence and trust in, in your skills and leadership, especially for those who voted for you. And, and quite frankly, also for those who haven't,
1: you know, I, I think politics, w- politicians who are effective tell people what they're going to do. And then they do exactly that. Now, you know, obviously I think we should make room and have grace for our elected officials to change their mind and to evolve, particularly when new information is in front of them. I mean, this, this pandemic is a perfect example of that. What we knew in March of 2020 is very different from what we know now. Um, But What I have found and what has been part of my success is that um, my track record is very clear about doing exactly what I told people I was going to do. You know, I'm the first Democrat in 100 years to be elected to my current position, the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts. And um, and before I got here, this office was known more for its patronage and its nepotism that had prevented so many black and brown people from getting a job in this this uh, building for generations. And on my very first day, I I essentially cleaned house. I totally changed the culture, brought in a diverse staff, made uh, uh, equity and hiring a priority, um, and and really led on justice reform. And that has um, that has, I think created a, a, a solid connection and trust between me and particularly our black and brown communities. Yeah. Um, and that is, that has pushed me forward in, in my career.
0: After when this airs, you'll be a little bit over a, a week in office. And let me just ask you this. I mean, you know, we're, we're all going through so much as a country um, in local neighborhoods, there's so much context, but then there's also a lot of challenge and opportunity um, around. So
1: what are you most optimistic about achieving in your first hundred days? You know, my, my first hundred days are, are going to be focused on my four priorities. um, And they are affordable housing, economic recovery and equity, racial equity, public safety, and the climate. But I, but I think my, what I need to do, what is critical for me to do in my first hundred days is to restore trust. What we've been talking about with our, with our city hall, you know, unfortunately the reason I jumped into this race last year was because four of our city council members had been indicted three, four corruption charges. And so trust in city hall and our city leaders in our city, despite all of our momentum is at, is at an all time low. And so it'll be, up to me and the new city council, eight of whom uh, are brand new, eight out of the nine, to uh, to turn the page on this ugly chapter and to get people excited and inspired by their by their city leadership again.
0: Well, we're excited because you're here with us, but also generating so much trust in our communities and, and for that matter for everyone. I thought, what what a treat. I'm really so grateful that you spent some time with us. I hope we'll be able to visit with you again. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much again, Aftab, and we're grateful for your service, as are so many in the Cincinnati community. I won't touch the chili debate, and everyone knows that bears are better than bearcats, but I definitely tip my hat to the Midwestern Rani City and hope she thrives under your careful and expert watch as mayor. Big shout out to Shafali, Rajiv S., and the wonderful Dr. Randolph, and everyone else at Cincinnati Children's. Thank you for all you do. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darnikar.
1: Hi, this is Umar Durrani, and you can check out ruckusavenyradio.com for more information and for the latest on station programming and more.